How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. everybody we hope you're doing well i'm parker and i'm max and welcome back to better than citizen kane the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question is it better than citizen kane if you like citizen kane that's fine because we're not here to hate on it after all there's a reason it's earned its reputation but when every movie ever made is a reasonable contender for the title of greatest film of all time you have to wonder better than citizen kane so take a look around because if you look for it I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that movies better than Citizen Kane actually are all around. Maybe even in today's topic, Love Actually 2003. Parker, what do you think? Is Love Actually better than Citizen Kane? Look, I... <laughs> do you want this to be the shortest episode we've ever had? I told you, you said it was going to be short, and I said I beg to differ, because <laughs> I have so many things to say, but go ahead and make it as short as you want. Oh, the shortest that I can make it right the second is absolutely not so you're saying that love actually isn't better that's exactly what i'm saying this guy just said that the feeling of love isn't better than citizen kane yeah i'm on record now it's been one of those yeah you know well here we are <laughs> okay obviously love actually isn't better than citizen kane no obviously obviously and i mainly wanted to do this because i felt like we'd had it too good for too long <laughs> I would argue that we've only watched, like, two bad movies this year, mm. one of which was Forrest Gump. Sure. One of which was Titanic. But Titanic isn't necessarily a fully bad movie either. Mm -hmm. So I was like, we got to get one more in here before the end of the year. <laughs> and I hadn't seen Love, actually. Neither had I. I had kind of hoped. I would kind of hoped that I was like, maybe it'll be, like, charming and sentimental and saccharine enough that I'm like, I don't know. This gets me up in my feels. Yeah. No. No feels for you? No. I had a feeling, and it was, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing, Parker, is in my exposure with, with Love Actually, yeah. before this, obviously, is Andrew Lincoln scene. Naturally. Andrew Lincoln scene parody on mm -hmm. SNL. Uh, Thomas Brody Sangster running through an airport. Mm. That was pretty much it. Sure. A, occasionally a picture of Alan Rickman from this movie. Mm -hmm. And... In recent years, my parents had mentioned Love Actually and been like, "It's you should watch. Like, it's worth a watch. And they were like, but it is really weird. Mm -hmm. And we don't get it. And I was like, okay, cool, good. Um, my parents being the people I talk to about movies <laughs> other than Parker. Sure. Um, no, everybody in my life. Anyway, so I really had no idea what to expect from this. Fun little fact for everybody. Parker and I... As we promised at the end of the last episode, we did see this in theaters. We saw this in theaters, ladies and gentlemen. We paid money. Yeah. To see its 20th anniversary release in theaters. Saw it with fellow odd brother Will Kowser. Yes, Will hopped in too. Mm -hmm. um, so even though he won't be part of this episode, know that Will also has things to he say. He has lots of thoughts. And we aired them all out at an IHOP afterward. <laughs> yes, we did. But this is this is more. This yeah. is a moment we're sharing with you. Mm -hmm. You're and that here. moment is, we went and saw it in theaters. And, and also Will was running late. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was worried we'd miss the first 10 minutes. And so Parker pulled it up on his phone. <laughs> and we watched the first 10 minutes of Love Actually, like waiting in line for Will to show up. Because it was snowing really bad. Because it was snowing really bad. That's why, yeah, it was just bad weather. Um, very Christmassy, very holiday. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and then we got in the theater and it hadn't even fully started yet. So we'd already seen the first 10 minutes when we walked in yeah, for the first we were, 10 we minutes. pre-prepped. 
Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, I've seen this part. It's funny. Um, anyway, that's my history with Love Actually. Is I watched it, and I already said what I thought. Mm-hmm. Parker, what do you think? What, what's your What's your history with Love Pretty Actually? Pretty much the same thing. I've seen I've seen the Caroline cue cards. Yep. Scene. Um, I had kind of heard about this a little bit, um, especially from uh, my older sister. Shout out to Amanda. Um, her favorite movie of all time is About Time which nice. is the same writer-director. Yep. And so uh, she had also told me that she enjoys this movie, but kind of similar to your parents. She's like, I don't know, it's weird. She's like, I like lots of it, but like, it's weird. Um, and that was about all I knew about it. I knew that there was multiple storylines going on all at once. Yes. Um, I knew who was in it, but I didn't really know their relations to each other. Like I knew there was a Liam Neeson storyline. Yeah. I knew that Emma Thompson was in here. Um. And I think I had seen I'd seen lots of clips of like the Bill Nighy stuff. Yeah, that felt familiar to me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I had no context for any of it. The context in this movie is insane. Yeah. Because living twenty years of my life post this movie. And um and to have like seen the Andrew Lincoln scene specifically. You know what? We're not even gonna try and break this down. I don't I, I don't wh- care. Wh- what would we do? What would we do? We'd break down each story individually. <sighs> if you haven't seen Love Actually, you gotta check it out <laughs> to understand this episode because the movie makes no uh. damn sense. <laughs> Compels me though. Um <laughs> and <laughs> what was I talking about? You were talking the about the context. Because the Andrew Lincoln scene is used all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had assumed one i didn't know that her husband kira knightley's husband was chibatel echefor mm-hmm. i had no idea and that changes things i'm like well he's a very cool likable man yeah and it's weird that you're and like, he's cool and like and also in the, movie. in the movie he's not an asshole yeah like i just because i, cause I in I, a happy relationship i had heard i had heard people mention that she's married Yes. And that was the only, I was like, okay, so yes. she's married and he's doing this big romantic and gesture. And I figured that she was married to some Right, guy. I was like, well, maybe he's kind of, maybe her husband's just the worst. Yeah. You know? Because also the implication being like, he can't know that he, I'm here. Maybe right. he's terrible. Mm-hmm. No. the con- nice guy. The context is that at the start of the movie, <laughs> yeah. we see that it's their wedding. Kira Knightley and Chiwet, like Kira and Chiwetel's, what are their names? I don't even know their names. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's their wedding. And Andrew Lincoln is like the best man and his best friend, and he's filming everything on his on his like little camcorder. Which, real quick, yeah, just because it always makes me laugh when movies do this, um, especially movies from the early two thousands. It's so funny when they try to pass off like really well shot, probably either done on film or like really prosumer camcorders of the time. And like, yeah, no, he's just palming it. He's holding this camcorder in the palm of his hand, and it is the steadiest shot you've ever seen. He dollies back at a certain point. Like, he's got camera moves to his shitty little camcorder. It drives me nuts. I hate it. That's the that's the issue that Parker took. Yeah. Um, because he films everything, and also he sets up an elaborate musical number for their wedding, where he has mm-hmm. people sing a Beatles song. Yep. And they're like, what? This is amazing. And Andrew Lincoln's like, yeah, I did it. Anyway, whatever. And then later, Kira Knightley calls him and mm-hmm. is like, hey, you don't like me very much. She's like, but my wedding video sucks. Yeah, like it and came I, back, the color's all wrong. Yeah, it's blue and wibbly. Just mm-hmm. a very British thing to say. Indeed. Love it. Um, and she's like, but you were filming. Can I see what you got? And he's like, oh, 
I think I lost it. And I was like, okay, like we know you're in love with her, whatever. They set that up. But she goes to his house and is like, oh, is this it? And like, and uh-huh. he's transferred it to a VHS. And like, it's not even because he's filming it on these little mini DV tapes. And I, that was the very first camera I ever used was one yeah. of those. You yeah, have same. to go and you have to transfer it. Yeah. And he transferred it and he kept the VHS. And he's like, I don't know, I lost it. And he labeled it. He labeled it. He labeled it. it about like their wedding, whatever their names are, their wedding. Yeah. And so when he's like lying to her face and she's in his house and she's like, I know you hate me. You've never once spoken to me ever. She's like, but I want to see the wedding video. He's like, I did lose it. And she's like, is this it? This labeled VHS tape? And he's like, oh, Sarah's wedding. Oh no, don't do it. She puts it in and it comes up and it's just all like close up footage of her. Throughout the night. Like, he he frames out his best friend in, in every, every shot. shot. And he's, like, edited it together, mm-hmm. probably. And and at first, she's like, oh, I look quite pretty. And then it slowly sinks in for her what this is. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, she just says, no, but, but you hate me. Instead of being like... I'm going to go. Because that's a weird thing it's to do. It's a weird thing to have a, like to have your fiance slash husband's best friend who you think hates you, yeah. who has never spoken They don't to have you. a relationship. They don't have a dynamic. This. They don't have a relationship. To then go over and see that he has a videotape of just your face at your wedding in these really intimate close-ups. Yeah. And he's not saying anything. He's just kind of sitting there, like, biting his fingers, like, oh, God. And then she's like, but you hate me. And she can't make sense of it. And he goes, well, I got to go to lunch. Can you just let yourself out? you just let yourself out later? And I'm like, does she have the key? Like, are you going to lock your house? Like, what's your deal, man? Anyway, he leaves. And there is the funny, because this movie is pretty funny. There's 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 a lot of, like, laugh out loud moments and gags in this Mm -hmm. movie. It's not all bad. Yeah but there are like five of the seven stories or whatever in this that just do not work for me. Yeah. And I don't think work for you. And I think we'll just talk about each of them, but we don't need yeah, to do them in order. Right. We don't need them in order. Just like quick rapid fire so that we have like a, a, a summary, yeah. a table of contents to go back to. Yeah. So, but real quick, he does go outside and he is kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, should I go back in? Oh, and then he like does like a big like <clears throat> jump. Like and this man down. holding shopping bags like it's really funny. stumbles backward. And that was really funny. And that's the context for the caroling scene. Yeah. Is that she has no relationship to him. Mm-hmm. And she thought he hated him. And then she went to his house and he had a video of her that he put together and shot intimately and close up at her wedding, betraying his best friend. Yeah. And he does this whole elaborate thing with cue cards. And then she's just kind of like, <laughs> and then he starts walking away and then she runs after him, kisses him once and then goes back. And then at the end, they're all at the airport together. Yeah. And I'm like, so we just aren't going to tell Chiwetel. Yeah. He doesn't need to know. That's bad it's bad it's really bad it's really bad and it's it's presented as like the most romantic thing in the movie and i don't understand it but it really isn't no no it is not but which is <laughs> i realized as you were talking about the summary just now that they sort of cue you up for it like at the wedding they do he makes some comments like oh you didn't you didn't do one of your big grand like spectacles did you and he's like yeah. no no of course not and then they all start seeing the deal it's like he's like he's want to do this like yeah. he has a reputation for doing this kind of thing doesn't excuse it doesn't it. excuse it. not at all um yeah weird weird okay so that's kind of our that's like 
or that's wow that's wow. that's part of that's there the big is. one in love actually yeah. so so the, the basic <clears throat> the broadest overview we can give you because we are not going through this in chronological order there's no. no way it would make no sense and also it just would not be fun to listen to so the broadest overview <clears throat> we can give is that we're following like six or seven storylines all taking place in and around london yes um 2003 and it's, it's five, five weeks, weeks out until christmas mm -hmm. five weeks till christmas and we're seeing all these storylines play out and each of these storylines have overlapping characters. Some of them are more established than others. And then you get to the end of the movie. Some of them are just like, oh, by the way, these people are friends. Yeah, it's wild. Like they're <laughs> the final scene of the movie, they're all at the airport and you're like, oh, these people talk to these people from this storyline? Didn't know and that. And I guess it's meant to be like, whoa. Yeah. But really for me, I was just like, okay. And so like the, the, the structure is there because the movie opens with this big monologue that Max so wonderfully parodied at the beginning of this, where Hugh Grant is voicing over and he's talking about like, the idea of love and that he's like look if you look anywhere like love yeah. is everywhere it's not always big and grand or mm -hmm. whatever but it's and it's there's this very nice montage of all these real people yes. at heathrow airport Welcome. saying yeah welcome each other yeah. from their travels meeting up with each other from travel and saying goodbye to each other as they're leaving and things yes. like that it's just you know this nice little like pocket of humanity and is... also very 2003 totally the most 2003 concept that ever could have been done a hundred percent well what if we made an airport feel nice yeah what if people what if were love what if love actually is in an airport <laughs> exactly so that's kind of like the basic framework and then from there they're like okay here are yes. six or seven stories about yeah. different kinds of love so um, we've got the kira knightley and Keira knightley, andrew lincoln one. one we've got liam neeson mourning thomas, his recently deceased and wife. thomas brody sangster's his son who's in love mm -hmm. with a girl at school yep desperately wants to impress her yeah Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. Who are married. Mm -hmm. And Emma Thompson is Hugh Grant's sister, which we'll get into his story. Yes. But Alan Rickman works at a place. Yeah. Are like they, a, do they run publishing? I don't know. I it, think it's it a had, publishing company. Yeah. Um, and he runs that. Mm -hmm. And their story is basically that his secretary at work is desperately trying to sleep with him. Mm -hmm. And rather than having any like substantial opinion on it, he just kind of goes, okay, <laughs> for like the whole movie. Yeah. And it's, he is neither here nor there about it. But it's, he's like not committed to it, but he's also like, I guess. Yeah. It's like a weird... It's a strange dynamic. It's a strange dynamic. Um, and then Laura Linney works at his work. Uh -huh. And Laura Linney's in love with Carl, who mm -hmm. I don't remember the actor's name, but Carl's the, the hot man of the office. Yeah. And, um, and are they, should they hook up? And Alan Riffin goes, you should tell him you want to have sex and lots of babies. <laughs> and it's very funny. Yeah. But we'll get into the... We'll get, we'll into, get into that. that. Um, so she wants to have sex with Carl yeah. and they hook up and then she mm -hmm. also has a brother who is mentally unwell mm -hmm. at a, what are those called? Like a, just like sanatorium. a yeah, sanatorium, mental hospital yeah. sort of thing. And she, and she's all kind of always on call sure. to take care of him. Um, and then there is Bill Nye, mm -hmm. who is an aged pop star, rock star who, the more I've been thinking about it, like. He's a bit too hard rock and roll for this to be entirely a one-to-one, -one, but kind of feels like a McCartney commentary the more I think mm. about it, like I, of that yeah. time period. Yeah, it's sort he of... also feels very like Bowie of the yeah. time to me too, mm -hmm. but definitely that kind of like right. a, bit of, a little bit of like a Mick Jagger. Totally. Like he's just like all those 60s, 70s guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he's recently, the movie opens with him re-recording his like classic mm -hmm. to be Christmas themed and he hates it and he thinks it's shit. Um, and then his story is basically just going on the radio and trying to get this to number one. Yeah. But also being like, it's terrible, but everyone should just put it at number one anyway. Yeah. Which is really funny. It is very funny. And um, he also keeps uh, 
body shaming his manager on air, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a problem. Oh, there's a theme there's a to theme that in this, in this movie. movie. There's a central love actually is uh, body shaming people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so anyway, and then at the end he decides not to go to Elton John's Christmas party or he did go and then he mm-hmm. comes back and then he hangs out with his manager right. instead. So he spends the whole movie hating his manager and then he goes, actually, I think I love you, man. And uh, you know, so there's that one. Then there is the, the probably like the weakest link between all the rest of them is, uh, I can't remember the actor's name. You know him. Colin Firth. No, no. Oh, Colin Firth is, yeah, that's another one, which also is kind of like, so we'll talk about Colin Firth, Colin Firth. Um, he's in a relationship and, uh, he finds out that his wife and or girlfriend is sleeping with his brother. Yeah. But he finds that out because at the start of the day, at the early part of the movie, she's like, I just feel and look so terrible. And, and uh, he's going to the wedding. He's going he? to the wedding. Yeah. But they don't really show him at the wedding, do they? I don't know if they do. Is but, it? But then, it's, it's the wedding, though, isn't it? It is the wedding. Because, because Emma he, Thompson's at the funeral yes, at the same time. Yes. Because when he comes back mm-hmm. to the house and he finds that he, she's cheating on him with his brother, he's like, yeah, I just thought I'd pop back here. Right, before, before the, reception. the reception. You're right. You're right. Um, but they really breeze past that. And I don't think he's ever in a shot with anyone at the wedding no he I don't fe- think it so. feels very he feels really feels like they got Colin Firth and they went we'll fly you to France <laughs> pretty much yeah because he just leaves yeah he, he leaves uh, he leaves France. he goes to France he has a housekeeper caretaker yeah. who speaks Portuguese mm-hmm. and lives with him for the five weeks yeah and their whole thing is the language barrier the whole like, thing is the language the whole barrier. stuff going but on with them the joke is is that they're saying the same things at the same time but mm-hmm. in different languages even though they can't understand one another so like she's like Ugh, like what person doesn't make copies? And then he's like, I really should make copies of this book I'm writing. Because yeah, he's a do. writer. They do that bit a lot. Um, and they do that bit a lot. And then he goes back home. Yep. And then he's like, actually, I hate this. Yep. And I love her. Because they both say they love each other, but they can't understand each other. No. So then he flies back to uh, France mm. and he asks for her hand in marriage and she says yes. And then they yeah. get married. Um, and then there Chris is... Chris Marshall is the one you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. then there's Chris Marshall, British comedian Chris Marshall. Uh, in this movie, and he's just playing the worst guy in the, the worst world. Dude. Just the worst man, constantly sexually harassing women at weddings that he caters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he decides that women in Britain don't like him. But he realizes that if he goes to America, that women will love him because he's British, which is a funny gag. It's right. a funny idea. And his friend keeps telling him, he's like, no, that's a stupid idea. Yes. You're an asshole and nobody likes you. Yes. Like, this isn't going to change anything. Yeah. But he's like, I'll be a god of sex. So he goes to America. He goes to Wisconsin. And again, there's really funny bits in this part. Yeah. Except for the fact that he fundamentally is the worst man in the world. And the bit goes on And the bit long. goes on way too long. Because he goes to America. He goes to, he's like, I'm going to go to the first bar that I can go to in America. And he goes there. And there's a really hot lady there. And I go, okay, funny bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it worked out for him. That's, I was either, it was going to one of two ways. Sure. Either there wouldn't be anyone there and he'd be sad. And I would have mm-hmm. been, yes. Or there would be a woman there who's hot and he's, he, it's true. Yeah. And I go, okay, funny commentary on, sure. you know, our obsession with British men. Mm-hmm. But then there's another one. And then there's another one. And then, there's and then they all sit around and talk about how they all sleep together naked and he should come back to their house. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We're just so sexy. And we sleep together naked and we have a fourth roommate too. And he's like, oh, and then it sh- cut to their house. And we see them in silhouette going to bed together as the fourth roommate walks up. And it's it's shot like it's a cameo reveal. It's really strange. It's I don't really know. I don't weird. know what's going on with all that. Anyway, and then he comes back at the end mm-hmm. and he's like, I did it. And he's got like a hot 
American girl on his arm, Harriet. And then yeah. there's another one and she's, uh, she's, what's her name from James Bond? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Christmas. What's her name? I don't remember her name. It's slipping my mind. Anyway. Yeah. So there's that storyline. Martin Freeman is an actor in porn. Yes. And it's really funny that I well, like that storyline a, a lot. Yeah. But he's, he's also, stand-in. he's a stand in mm-hmm. for like porn, which is really funny. Yep. And he and the actors that he's with, who I don't know the name of, um, they just are having normal conversations throughout this like five week shoot. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, they end up together. It's really nice. It's really funny. It's a funny and charming. And charming story. Um, and then kind of the big heavy hitter is the Hugh Grant storyline. It is. Did we already talk about Liam we, Neeson and his son? Yeah, we did. Yeah, you we mentioned Liam Neeson mourning his wife. Oh, we did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Hugh Grant. Yeah. Hugh Grant is the prime minister. The prime minister. But Dave. He's a, Dave. But he's not married. No. He's um, not married, but he's hot. He's, but he's Hugh Grant. Hot. He's Hugh Grant. He's charming. Hugh and unfortunely, Grant. it did work on me. He's I was like, man, this guy is hell. really charming. Oh, no. I get it. Um, he's charming and hip. Yeah. Oh, man. And he's cool. He's cool. And he's like not so like... He's a badass, they say on the radio. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, too. Okay. Um, see, Parker, this couldn't be the shortest episode we've ever done because there's so much to talk about. It really could if we wanted it to be. <laughs> exactly. It was one of the two. Either it was going to be the shortest either we, or we're going to be or the, for Either ages. we like sit down to talk about it or uh-huh. we just don't even bother. Yeah. Um, so the main like crux of that storyline is that he has um a like catering assistant who works at whatever like the prime minister equivalent to the white house is i suppose it's the 10 downing street thank you yeah yeah he's at 10 downing street and um she they sort of hit it off together and there's kind of this they're both they're both pretty casual about yeah the whole situation she's she swears she swears Mm -hmm. in front of him and he's like like, i find that very charming (laughs) and then he goes into a he walks into his office and he goes well, that's rather unfortunate. And something that I do like about what Hugh Grant's doing here is that he does have a fundamentally sad aura. Oh, yeah. Like, he sad just, boy energy. Like, he's very charming, but he just has this energy of, like, God, I'm kind of miserable, aren't I? And it's like, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it works really well. And yeah. I understand why people would be so drawn to him in this role. Sure. And it's very charming because he, well, I think this might be the one that we have to talk about after the Andrew Lincoln thing. Yeah. Because this is one where the context absolutely blew my mind. Um, because he falls in love with this girl, Natalie. And I'm like, normal, cool. This is yeah. kind of working, although the power dynamics are questionable, as is the case with every relationship in this movie. Right. Except for Thomas Brady Sangster and his cute little American girlfriend. And also, I'm going to go out of my way to say this now, mm. that Natalie is, in every aspect, incredibly conventionally attractive. Yes. Like, she is a very attractive woman. And the movie tries to make you think that she is simultaneously is and isn't because of the things that they say about her. Yeah, like we're supposed to understand why Hugh Grant loves her because she is beautiful, mm-hmm. but then everyone else in the movie is like, she's kind of fat though, isn't she? Yeah. Which is insane. Which is nuts because like this woman is not obese in the slightest. Like she yeah. is a very average looking person. And also that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just, and yet uh... it's a hang up for so many people in this movie. Yeah, everybody just like comments Bill on Nye it. constantly being like, my manager's fat. Mm-hmm. And like them being like Natalie's fat, and her whole family at one point is like chubs. Yeah, and like, it's like what the other staff members are like. Oh yeah, her thighs are like tree trunks. Yeah, and, and I'm like, what are you what talking are you about? Talking about that's insane. <sighs> anyway, so he's in love with her, but that's not the most insane thing that happens to no, Natalie. No, it's not because they're set it up when Hugh Grant first gets there as prime minister. They're like, America's been really mean to us. 
The last administration got pushed around by America, and we're not going to let that happen this time. And Hugh Grant goes, yeah, I don't know. I think I might. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like, know, he's like, I don't like, know. America's, like, I don't know, America's whatever. powerful like, country yeah, in the world. Like, I think I think we should, I think we should get along. We should be pushovers, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm fair, paraphrasing. But that's pretty much movie, it. But that's basically it. That is the extent of Richard Curtis' understanding of politics. Yeah, it is. He's like, yep. Countries push each other around. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. So um, then the uh, president comes to say hello, and he's mm-hmm. the new president as well. Yeah. It's like, I'm doing things. It is shocking to me. Like, the bar that this movie sets for, like, its style of humor, it is kind of insane to me that this isn't just, like, the most cranked to 11 Bush impression in the world. Or Clinton. Yeah. Because it's kind of doing a it's Clinton. Kind of, it's kind of a Clinton energy, sure. Yeah. But, but just like the, with but, the time period. I'm just yeah, surprised it's, it's weird. not. Yeah, it's neither of those. It's yeah. neither of like the two most recent presidents primed for parody. Right. And have been parodied so much. And yet this movie elects to just have a man. Generic brand, <clears throat> U.S. president. I'm the U.S. president. It's like when Doctor Who had the president on. And you're like, yeah. who's this guy? Oh, he's just a guy. And I'm okay, like, yeah, sure. I guess that's who the president is. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so the president comes to talk to Hugh Grant, and they're having, like, a pretty normal conversation, Mm -hmm. and then Natalie walks by, and the president, like, leers at her, Mm -hmm. and then is like, damn, you know? After just talking about his wife. Yeah, and then he says some nonsense, Mm -hmm. and Hugh Grant's kind of like, clearly like, well, I like her. Why do you Why would you say that? I like her. Mm -hmm. And then they go into a room, and they're talking, and Hugh Grant's like, great, I'm going to go grab those papers. Yeah. And he leaves, and Natalie enters to bring in tea or whatever. And when he comes back, the president of the United States is like kissing her neck. Kissing her neck. Mm-hmm. Not she's obviously uncomfortable. And she sees Hugh Grant, and she leaves with the energy of, "Oh no, you just found us." <laughs> it's. And she's like, "I'm." She says, "I don't know." If she says, "I'm sorry," but she like leaves. I think she does. I think she's like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, I'm and so then sorry. Leaves. And then she leaves, and then. They go to a press conference, and the press conference is a reporter stands up and goes, uh, "Mr. President, has this been a good visit for you?" And he goes, "It's been a great visit. We got everything. We got we came everything for. we came for, and I think our special relationship can stay very special." And then they go, "And Mr. and Prime Minister," <laughs> he goes, "I like you know what? I'm pulling it up." Because it's insane it's, that this is. I don't understand this quote, we, and I don't understand. The rest of the movie's reaction to this quote, like the way the music swells and the way these insert shots of everybody's reactions are played, yeah, it, it it's filmed and presented like with all the gravity, the Independence of a, Day of a West Wing clip. Like, yeah, you're like, man, you're like, wow, he really is just you know putting it to him. Like, wow, super inspiring piece of but policy. Here's what he says. I love that word, relationship. Covers all manners of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship, a relationship based on the president taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to Hugh Grant looks at Natalie. Natalie looks at him and he goes, Britain. And then he says, we may be a small country, but we're a great one too. Country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter. And I'm like, most of those things actually suck yeah i don't really hold up under scrutiny no they don't unfortunately david beckham's right foot david beckham's left foot come to that and everyone laughs everyone (laughs) a friend who bullies us is no longer a friend and since bullies only respond to strength from now onward i will be prepared to be much stronger and the president should be prepared for that and after that i presume 
all of the news outlets in America and England went, oh, we're going to war. Okay, war has war been has, declared. War has been declared. Marvelous. Because that's a weird thing to it's say. It's a really weird thing to say when you're standing next to the, you know, chief of another nation. And to just be like, bad relationship, I'm going to be much stronger in the future, and you should be prepared for that. You can't just be saying you that. You can't just um, say that. Because the vibes are off from both men. It's really strange. Although I, I did pitch to Parker that this these this interaction makes a lot more sense in 2019 if it's Trump and Boris Johnson. Oh, sure. Because then it's like, it's a very special relationship. And then <laughs> Boris Johnson just saying some nonsense because he's got the IQ of a rat. Um, <laughs> and it, it's a weird thing. It's so uh, weird. And that's so funny that Richard Curtis is like, this is how this works, I assume. Yeah. And again, everybody applauds him. Like, everybody standing ovation. And then they're like, our prime minister. Yeah. And everybody on the, the news is like, hey, a, check out this smackdown from the prime badass. minister. And it's like, is he? What are you talking about? That's not how politics works. Uh, and if it was trying to be like a parody or like yeah. satire of like, all all policy is decided by the emotions of a, like overly emotional powerful men. Right. That doesn't land. No. Because you're it asking doesn't. us it's... to fundamentally believe in and agree with the sentimentality with exactly. which it's presented. Anyway, so then Hugh Grant decides that he can't be around Natalie anymore mm-hmm. because he's just too horny. Yep. And, and he has her and transferred, has her transferred her somewhere knowing. else. Which they don't really address like textually but i'm sure that's part of why like she's so apologetic at the end because she's like oh i got transferred because this happened and i'm a bad person instead of oh i got transferred because the prime minister's got the hots for me and yeah. trying to be professional yeah mm. it's weird so anyway, they never talk about it later he gets a christmas card um also there's like a very fun sequence where he does a dance it's very fun it's very silly very fun famous sequence from this movie mm. very silly um, and that comes after this because then they're like, here's a song for a badass prime minister. And you play jump and it's like, is that a song? Is that a badass that song? A, that, I mean, I love that song, but like, is that like, is that a, I don't think that's about <laughs> like standing up. It's to the also bully. so funny because I don't know. He's probably what? Like mid thirties in this movie. Yeah. And they say, here's a golden oldie for our golden oldie. Like, I didn't catch that. Didn't ca- it's, I'm like, what are you talking about? He is this young is it, prime he's minister. Like the young, he's, he's, the, he's like a Tony Blair equivalent. Yeah. It, oh, my God. But he's way better because he's Hugh Grant. He's Hugh Grant. Also, we know nothing about his politics. Not a bit. He nothing. might be like a total... Because oh, yeah. he's definitely not the most opposed to Thatcher. No. Because he calls her like, you minx or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, did this have happened for you, you minx, to her portrait? And I'm like, so are you a fan of Thatcher? Or I'm just curious because that will ultimately decide whether or not i'm in your corner at all <laughs> again richard curtis kind has no of, understanding yeah. of politics. Has no understanding of politics but love actually is being unpolitical um oh, which is what forrest gump taught us as well sure. um I'm, I'm i'm reflecting back we're towards the end of the year we're reflecting back on forrest gump for some reason <laughs> anyway um and then at the end he's like actually i miss this because she writes him a christmas card mm-hmm. and she says i'm sorry that i messed up yeah. I'm still yours. You're Natalie. Kiss, and I, kiss, kiss. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And I'm like, that's not how that... No. What? Like, what are you talking about? So anyway, in a very nice and charming sequence that out of context plays wonderfully mm-hmm. is him going door to door in the town that she... Because the, she, the, she told him where, he li- where she lives. And, and she's like, oh, the dodgy part, like, over by the street. Yeah. And, and he's he, like, 
it's the longest street in the world. <laughs> like, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, and he goes there, and he has to go door to door, and it's mm-hmm. really cute. Yeah. And the ki- there's kids who ask him to carol, and there's people who are just like, aren't you the prime minister? And he's like, yes. And he makes some funny remarks, and it's yeah. a nice scene. He's very charming. He sees Alan Rickman's secretary, and we'll get to we'll get her. to her. And then he goes to Natalie, and Natalie's like, oh, we're all heading out the door. Her whole family's there. Like, we're going to go see the pageant, the Christmas pageant. That's another kind of, like, culmination yeah, of everyone's Yeah, which is story. everybody's going to this pageant. Well, it's the hottest play in town, Absolutely. Parker. They have an octopus in the nativity. Wow. Um, lobsters. Lobsters and such. Anyway, so he goes, and he watches the nativity with her backstage so that he's in a secret. Yeah. And then the curtain comes up, and they're kissing backstage. And he's like, <laughs> not so secret. Not so secret. And then, uh, and that's basically it. And then they get married or whatever. Maybe. Sure. In the airport, he comes out, and then she runs up to him. And it's very cute and charming, the idea of... And you did a funny... Yeah, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> she just she runs up to him and, like, hugs him. Yeah, like, her, the Secret Service is, like, keeping people back or yeah. whatever. And just... She breaks She bursts out of the crowd. And I just... Will and I turned to Max, and we just did finger guns. Like, bam, 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 yeah. bam. <laughs> yeah. And I think we did the same thing with Thomas Brody Sangster earlier when he runs through. Uh, yeah. But I guess it's England. It's not the TSA. But sure. I was like, hmm, he's going. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you no say, fly list. No fly. <laughs> we'll get to that. For the rest of his life. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's the Hugh Grant story. That's the Hugh Grant story, which is probably like, I don't know. Third it, or fourth. Over, oh, what were you yeah, Just like as far as like screen time goes. Oh, it yeah. It feels like it's one of the more major it's one ones. of the major ones yeah i'd say there's like three major ones yeah and that's one of the bigger ones mm-hmm. um but i'd also rank it if we're ranking them oh sure i would say it's like third or fourth yeah. best yeah because the she apologizes again in the it's car really weird she apologizes really for weird. being sexually assaulted and he doesn't there's no like hey this wasn't your fault it's real like, weird it's, he's just like well i suppose i'll forgive you Lord. like it's just kind of that energy I don't know. It's strange. I don't like it. Man. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about something nice. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson his son. Yeah. Liam yeah. Neeson, his son, is really good. So Liam Neeson is just being a good dad. I'm being a good dad. And um, his wife has passed away, and, and he, d- he does a really great job of just like he's just genuinely really cut up about it. Like the funeral is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And like you kind of understand a little bit about her and their dynamic, and she's you know. You gather this like, yeah, this was a woman who was very free spirited and had a great sense of humor. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, her final wish was that like I play her off with this song and I said over my dead body. And yeah. she's like, well, no, actually, darling, over mine. Yeah. And, and it's like a, an upbeat song. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks absolutely devastated. He's just, he Liam just looks really, like a shell. He looks he's quite like a good husk. In this. And uh, he keeps confiding in Emma Thompson, who's his friend. Um, and the one thing, again, very 2003. And it was really one of the only things in this storyline that I rubbed up against, but it's, you know, product is time is there's a scene where they're over at his house and he's confiding her how difficult it all is. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, oh, I forgot Sam, about this. like, you know, is having a tough time. And like, I'm just the stepdad. Like we already weren't close. And now this is this huge thing. And he's like, and he just, he just cries all the time. And then he bursts into tears. Like he just starts sobbing and like holds his head in his hands. This is weird. And Emma Thompson, like, you know, obviously notices this and like comforts him a little bit. And she's like, hey, women don't like pussies. Don't do that. Like, don't, don't cry. 
And I'm just like, and it, like again, it's one of those things of like, it's sort of played off as if it is sort of like good friends joking I mean, around and being like, yeah, hey, like, it's okay. I haven't like, said exactly that to you sure. before, but like we've, we do that every yeah. once in a while, but it doesn't but it just, land that way. No, it's, it, the music I feel like from memory was maybe there and was like mm-hmm. sad and so yeah. they play that classic Love Actually theme. It's just some piano. Right. But it's just like th- that moment is just kind of a weird brush off of this dude, obviously in grief. Yeah, and being and like, like, "Hey, there's a time and a place." Yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe just you know, it could have been a very nice moment of just embracing some male vulnerability, but instead, no, but like, turning it into a tongue-in-cheek joke of like, "Well, you're never gonna get laid." Yeah, if you're sad all the time. Yeah, it's like I don't know, and that's this true. Was a couple days ago. <laughs> like, yeah. What like, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but it's so so that's this whole thing is so that he's, he's like, well, yeah. my my stepson is having a really tough time with this, and I don't know how to help. And then he asks his stepson what's going on, and his stepson's just like, oh, I know I should be sad about mom. He's like, and I am, but also like that's not the thing that's bothering I'm in love. me. Yeah. He's in love with one of his classmates who's a transfer student from America, mm-hmm. and then Liam Neeson's like, oh, we'll help you. We'll get you figured out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and it's just a very charming, like, you know, they, they keep brainstorming stuff, and then eventually his son comes to him and is like, hey, she really likes music. I could, like, I could be a musician. And he's like, it's a great plan. It's flawless. One tiny little hookup. You don't know any musical instruments. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we'll figure that out. And so he, he takes up the, drumming. And he takes up the drums, and Liam Neeson's like, ah. Yeah, there's lots of good, like, beleaguered parents just yes. listening to their child just bang away on but this thing. But all really nice. It's like, really he's, good. He's it's never really not lovely. supportive it's very charming. of him. He's like, we're going to do this. Uh, he plays the drums in the Christmas pageant where his crush sings All I Want for Christmas is You. Mm-hmm. And then here's the thing. Here's my hang up on this. And I know it doesn't really make, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, but I know, I know what you're talking about. It, uh, Thomas Brody Sangster's crush is American and her family are flying back to America the same night as the Christmas pageant. Christmas Eve. Which is Christmas Eve. And they're flying back to America, to like JFK. Mm-hmm. The same night as the Christmas pageant. Yeah. And I, I understand that it is technically doable. Sure. It just feels like an unnecessary, you know, it just feels like an unnecessary amount of time. Yeah. Or like amount of like stress. I just feel like you could have done it day before and had her and say, I'm so sorry, you can't be, sorry, Joanna, you can't be in the pageant. So what or, school event is happening on Christmas Eve? Right. Kind of wild. That's pretty weird. Pretty strange. Anyway, there's some holes here that I'm, mm. what was really going on? No. Anyway, it's fine. But then they go to the airport to catch her, and Thomas Brady Sangster uh, runs, runs through, through the airport customs. security in 2003. And I just feel like they, hmm, I don't know if they would have allowed that. But mm-hmm. Rowan Atkinson is there. Yes. And he was earlier, but we'll get to him. He's there, and he does some little Mr. Bean magic. Yeah, distracts <laughs> And guards. Um, distracts the guard so he can run through, and he runs, and he sees her, and she knows his name. And he's like, wow. And then she kisses him on the cheek, and then... Uh, and then at the end that she comes back. Well, she, he goes all the way back out to the front entrance and she follows him and gives him a kiss and then has to run all the way back through the airport to catch her plane, which they don't show. But I just realized that. that yeah. I was like, she comes the, all the, the way back. He would have like walked or ran. They, 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 the security guards grab mm-hmm. him and yeah. they take him all the way out. And I guess, yeah, you're right. That whole time she was just walking behind, behind and then had to walk all the way back. Yeah. So that storyline is very fun and charming. There's a very unnecessary throw-in of a new romantic interest for Liam Neeson of like oh. one of the moms at the school. <clears throat> yeah, that's really like weird. Scene. And like, then at the strange. ending shot in the airport, she's there with her son. I don't know why. You that. And I'm like, that's I think, weird. I think you just like again, if if the if the thesis of this movie is that there are all different kinds of love and they show yeah. up in different ways, I like the idea of hey, like 
love is grief too. Yeah. And like, you know, and he talks about that of he's trying to console his son. And he's like, hey, look, like, I'm sure she's wonderful. I'm sure she's amazing. But like, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Like, there's going to be so many people. And he's like, there wasn't for you. He's like, you had yours. And he's like, yeah, I did. Like, your mom was mine. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and she's mine. Like, I don't know how to tell you this. Yeah. And then to have them be like, no. oh, no. And I get it. Like, it's it's. In certain contexts, it's a nice sentiment of saying, like, yeah, you can find love again and all those things. But I just... But it's really rushed It's a really weird afterthought. Yeah, it is. When the rest of this storyline is so focused on, like, his grief and the love he had for his wife, which is really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, and also, it's just, like, weird of, like, love is all around. Mm. But there's only really one story that isn't romantic love. Yeah. Which is just Bill Nye and his manager. Right. Because the son, the son stuff is fundamentally about being in love with another person. Right. Like it is about the love between them, but not really. Yeah, there's there there feels like a really missed opportunity to have like a sub storyline of like sibling love. Yeah, with Emma Thompson and Hugh. Yeah, Hunt. well, I feel like yeah, that also is a better ending for the Emma Thompson Alan Rickman story. Totally. Than what we got. Let's talk Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. <gasps> so Alan Rickman is the boss of a. <laughs> we don't have. I'm sorry if I'm making you do this, and you're like in in crisis just having just, the worst I, don't, time. I don't understand this story yeah line. so alan rickman is a boss at a publishing place uh-huh. and we first meet him because he pulls laura linney into his office and he goes i know you want to have sex with carl Everybody that's bad knows. alan rickman but you know and everyone knows and she's like everyone knows and he's like yes and he's like i think you should tell me you want to have sex and have lots of babies and it's like funny but also Where's HR? I think every job in this movie needs to have an HR department. Where's HR in this because movie? Because every relationship in a workplace in this movie is bad, and they need an HR department. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to figure something out. We need to send HR to England immediately. <laughs> Please. The Prime Minister needs one. Richard Curtis must be stopped. Alan Rickman needs one. Bill Nye and his manager need HR. Yeah. It's just really, really weird power dynamics, mm-hmm. and it's not great. Mm-mm. Anyway, so that's Alan Rickman's introduction. And then his secretary comes in and makes a pass at him. Yeah. And rather than being like, I'm married, or it's getting worse, or so, you know, but he's like, instead he's just kind of like, mm. <laughs> like, he seems neither interested nor put off. He feels entirely neutral about this development. He's sort of like, well, the attention is nice, but also he's like, doesn't care. He just does not like, and it's, I don't think it's Alan Rickman's fault. I think it's the way that the character is written. Yeah. Just, he is so, because at the end there, like he can't be entirely lecherous. Otherwise the ending come complete. It It falls falls apart. apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And so because of that, they're like, well, there has to be conflict enough that this is an issue. And we get this really great Emma Thompson scene later, but also we can't make him so deplorable that we aren't like rooting for them to stay together. And so he just lands at this entirely neutral point at these completely inappropriate passes being made at him. Which makes it feel really passive and weird. It's really strange. And so she keeps making passes at him and a height of this storyline, I mm-hmm. think the peak of this storyline is when Emma Thompson, they dance together at a Christmas party mm-hmm. for their workplace. And Emma Thompson's like, Hey, she's pretty. She's cute. Yeah. And he's like, is she? And she goes, you know that she is. Be careful. Yeah. Cut to secretary in her house takes off her dress. Walks Nobody's toward, there. Walks towards it's camera. It's just her. And that's the end of that scene. 
it's just there for us to see. Oh, she's hot, isn't she? There's... And I leaned over you and looked at Will, and Will had his face in his hands. Yeah. And she was shaking his head because the male gaze in this movie the is insane. The male gaze is rampant. Bad. Holy shit. That's... You... How was this liked by people? Like, just, so I, I, I get it was 20 years ago, but also, like, it feels like the way a James Bond movie from the 60s, yeah. like the way the camera looks at women. I mean, even the Brosnan movies were doing that yeah, in the 90s. It just, so I, it's it just, it's just I bad. don't understand it. Because in Colin Firth's story, they do, like, a really long mm-hmm. pan up from the legs up and, and then, then back, back down. Oh, God, I think I just peaked the mic, but... If any movie is going to make me do that, it's love, actually. So, anyway, Alan Rickman spends the whole movie. And then at one point, Alan Rickman's like, I'm going to buy her a necklace. <laughs> yeah, which also, like, thank God it's just a necklace. Because, like, she, she's talking to me in the office, and she's like, hey, you should you should get something for me. Like, give me something I yeah. like. And yeah. I was like, so you're just going to go buy a lingerie set? Well, she also, woman? at one point, is like, spreads her legs a little yeah. bit. We don't see anything. It's sure. not like, you know. No. But... But it's again. She's like, just so. It's not okay. Which is also like I just. This movie is full, of. Gorgeous, amazing, talented, interesting women. Yes. And a lot of very average British men. Like I love Alan Rickman so yes. much. He's incredibly yeah. talented. But just like as far as his character goes and how he's portraying the movie. The most nothing guy in the world. Yeah. And this woman is throwing herself at him. Yeah. And I'm just like what. What is this? Maybe he has... Because he... That's the thing. He doesn't have any passion for his work, it seems. Yeah. The most we get from him is his playful interaction with Laura Linney mm-hmm. at the start. And then the rest of the movie is kind of just like... Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And then he goes to the mall. With his wife, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to go to get stuff for the moms. And he's like, okay. He goes to get a necklace for this girl. His secretary. It's the ugliest necklace you've ever seen. Ugly it's necklace. It's a really bad necklace. And really it's like $300. Bad. Like bad. And he gets there and Rowan Atkinson's there. Mm-hmm. He goes, and he's doing he's doing funny Mr. Bean stuff. Yes. He's doing little flourishes and taking a really long time. And Alan Rickman's like, can we speed, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then he's like, just leave it. Yeah. But he clearly went back for it. Got it without all the furnishings. But here's the thing is that I knew Rowan Atkinson was in this movie. As kind of an angel character. Yeah, like the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas being like, be good. Have he shows love. up twice. Shows up twice. I, 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 cause I I'd also he heard that about show him. Up I was like, oh, okay, like he's, I he's he, Clarence the Angel. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the Clarence the Angel for this movie. No. Shows up twice. Shows up twice to do something for Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's kind of trying to sabotage his... Yeah, like his... he's trying to he's trying to like pump the brakes on this. But he could have done a lot more. Yeah. And then he helps Thomas Brody Sangster get past the guards. And it's just like at that point, it's like, why not just relegate him to a silly little guy in the Alan Rickman storyline? Like, why does he show up in Liam Neeson's storyline? It feels like he should have been in other parts. Yeah. Either keep him in one or put him in all of them. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I was really excited about an idea I had when I saw the scene with him and Alan Rickman where I went, there's a version of this movie, maybe written and directed by a woman, Mm -hmm. which would help. Sure. But even if not that, where Rowan Atkinson is like a spirit of Christmas stopping people from doing terrible things mm. in love relationships. So he would be there. To, he, he would like erase Andrew Lincoln's tape or something or like yeah. break all his cue cards or just beat him up in an alley. <laughs> um, 
Mr. Bean jumping Andrew Lincoln in the back alley of London. Incredible. You like? I'd watch, or, I'd watch or, that. You know, the real version of it would be that he gives a letter to Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, sure. Or that details everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or yeah. like he shows up in the in the Hugh Grant story and he's like <laughs> beats the, beats up the president of the United States in an alley. <laughs> Okay, maybe I just want a movie where he beats up everything. <laughs> anyway, he beats up all... Love actually is Mr. Bean beating you up in an alley. You know, I, I think there's a there's a entire James Bond parody franchise of his I think you'd really enjoy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can't wait to maybe, maybe watch Johnny out. English Go next year. Johnny We're going to watch man. all three. That's our first three episodes of 2024. <laughs> anyway... Uh, there's a, so Emma Thompson sees that Alan Rickman has bought the necklace in his yeah. coat pocket, and she thinks it's for her. She's really excited. Which, again, like, it's just... This dude is incompetent yeah. in every aspect of his life. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you're going to be sneaky about this, maybe don't have your wife take off the coat <laughs> that this very large package is sitting in the pocket of. Maybe be like, when she offers to take it, like, no, 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 I'll, I'll take it upstairs. It's yeah. wet. Like, you know, yeah. whatever. But he just doesn't. He just he just doesn't even think to hide his... Yeah. His, his, um, so she sees it, thinks it's for her. Spends weeks getting excited about mm-hmm. it. She's like, wow, he bought me something nice. He never does that. It's Christmas Eve, and they're opening one present because it's Christmas yes. Eve. They all get one present. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I really want to open that one. Because she looks at the shape and yeah. she's like, oh, that's the box. It's a Joni Mitchell CD. Mm-hmm. Because earlier in the movie, she talks about how much she loves Joni Mitchell and he kind of makes fun of her. Yeah. And so this is a nice... It's a nice little thoughtful, like genuinely, it's yeah. a thoughtful gift for right. him. Because it's like it's it's like a and, very nice CD. And layer. arguably better than an ugly necklace. Totally. However, because it's like, hey, I know you as a person. However, where'd that necklace go? Yeah. It went to the secretary. Which we then cut to by herself again in her apartment in sexy underwear, putting on the necklace for nobody except us, the yeah. audience. And it's weird. Weird. Weird to have a character that solely exists to be sexualized and mm-hmm. also for us to leer at. Yeah. To present I, her and go, don't you want to look at her? I and I go, not like really. It. Not really. I would like to stay with Emma Thompson. I find her character pretty her unlikable altogether. Yeah. A woman who's actively trying to make a man be disloyal. Emma Thompson takes a moment on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve and goes and listens to the CD for a minute. And it's on both sides now, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. It's really it's a great really, performance. Really good performance. A really powerful scene. And her having to come back and be like, okay, okay, we're going to go to the pageant. It's going to be great. And they were talking about, we, we joked about it a little bit, uh, but it's still like a good a good point of afterwards because it was the 20th anniversary that had a little snippet of like the making of documentary. Yeah. And the cinematographer was like, yeah, like we had we didn't have to do anything in that scene. Like we set up three cameras and we just let her do her thing. And he's like, it's incredible. Like she's an incredible performer. Yeah. And just like, you know, we just kept the camera static and we just let her act and feel it out and... She does an amazing job with it. And Will leaned over. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, cinematography, easy when you just have one of the most talented actresses in the world. She does her job for you. You don't yeah. even have to worry about it. <laughs> but it is like it's it's a testament to the fact that like it's a very like the movie is very high energy. Yes. And like not goofy, but, you know, it's a comedy. It's pretty goofy in some, and, place, in some places. Yeah. And like. This scene is a very nice change of pace of just like, we just slow it down and stay with her while this song plays and she just weeps and is trying to keep it together. And this energy of like, 
a huge realization that your world has fallen apart, but you have responsibility still. Yeah. And you still have, like, you have to, you have to soldier on. You have to get it together for the people in your life because there are people depending on you. Yeah. And that, I just think it's really nice. Like, she's trying to get herself ready and she does the bed a little bit, like, is doing these chores and is dabbing her makeup and trying to keep the tears away and then goes downstairs like, okay, let's go. Let's get you yeah. the Christmas pageant. Like, goes straight into mom mode. And yeah. it's a really nice moment. It is. It's really nice. And then at the Christmas pageant, when it's all over, she takes Helen Rickman aside and says, what would you do in my situation if you knew that you'd gotten a necklace for whatever? Should I cut ties? Or should I try and make it work? And he, again, is just kind of like, no uh, answer. Uh, I'm nothing. So sorry. Nothing. Like, and, and then... And, and, she, and she gives him, like, again... A nuanced portrayal of something like this in a relationship that has lasted this long, a marriage with children, all of these things. And she's like, would you think that it was just a necklace? Would you think that it's a necklace with sex? Yeah. Or worst of all, would you think it's a necklace and love? Yeah. And he has no answer for her. We have no idea what's going on through his head for this. We don't know what he's thinking or feeling about this situation because he's so passive and doesn't say anything about yeah. it. To his secretary... The, the only sign that we even have that he was going to get a necklace for her is that he calls her on the phone and goes, what would you want? Mm -hmm. And she's like, something pretty I can wear. And he's like, mm. and it's just bizarre. Yeah. And in the making of documentary clip they showed at the end, they're like, and Alan Rickman bringing such a nuanced performance to this complicated character. And I'm like, I, he wasn't complicated. He just wasn't doing anything. He's just completely indecisive. Yeah. And doesn't, we, we know nothing about his motivation or like, or what he's thinking, what he feeling. thinks or how he feels about it. And yeah. it's again, one of those things that the movie is so predisposed to these grand romantic gestures of love and these monologues. I'm like, where is the scene where he pulls her aside and is just like, Hey, look, like I got caught up in the throes of this, yeah. but like, you're the one. Like, yeah. I, I, I know you. Like, yeah. Joni Mitchell. Like, all of these things. Our children. Our life together. Like, none of this means anything to me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the ways that I've hurt you. Yeah. Nothing happened. Because to the best of our knowledge, these two didn't sleep together. Like, there has been no physical altercation other than just dancing and, and some workplace-like flirtation. Yeah. But only from her. Yeah. Like, it's very one-sided. And so if he's just like, yeah, look, the attention was nice. Nothing happened. And it's not going to happen. And just like an apology, an acknowledgement of the ways that he's hurt her just doesn't exist. Isn't no. in this movie. And you're absolutely right that it's like, because it ends with them at the airport mm -hmm. and she comes back from a trip or whatever. And she's like, how are you? And he's like, good. And they're like, clearly still together. Yeah. Trying to work through this, which is a nuanced ending for this. Sure. But also it's not really an ending. No. Because in this movie, love is doing something huge. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do anything huge. And no. it feels out of place. It's very strange. It feels like they didn't have the time for him to do some big gesture. So they just elected to do nothing. And again, missed opportunity of there is half a moment that is nice that I wish they just would have expanded on of at this culminating Christmas pageant where everybody shows up. Hugh Grant runs into Emma Thompson, his sister. And she just gives him a big hug. She's like, I've never been so relieved to see my big brother. Yes. Like, and you can just tell that she's just falling apart. And yeah. she's like, I really need to tell you all of this stuff that's been going on and I need to talk to somebody about it. And there's none of that. We and don't you, and you recounting that almost made me tear up Yeah, because that is such a nice sentiment. It is. But they don't have time for it. They don't have time for it. They just brush past it and it bums me out because you could cut out, 
you could cut out the entirety of I'm going to go to America to have great sex storyline yes. oh and God. free yes. up some time for yeah. these moments. Yes. Yes. And we'll get, I think at the end of this, we'll talk about which stories they should have cut yeah. to make this better. Yeah. Agreed. And typically we try not to be like, here's what I would have done with the movie. Right. But, but it's this... just like, this one is so frustrating because as we're talking about it, obviously there are moments here that are working. Yes. Obviously there is stuff that is charming and effective and emotional. Yes. And it is bogged down by too many cooks in the kitchen and by really terrible 2003, like, you know, thought processes oh, yeah. and opinions. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it bums me out. Yeah. Cause that is so nice. And also it would be, I would be interested to explore the relationship between a sister and her brother, who's the prime minister totally. and being like, I can't talk to you as much anymore. Like, yeah. And there's like, and she thinks he's there for her kids and she's like, Wow, you came. Yeah. Like you I, I know how busy you are, but like it means so much to me that you're here. And there's well, I'm actually I'm a half because of my you know, like it's just <laughs> it's, Yeah. Yeah, you know? Hmm. Really disappointing because Emma Thompson is doing so much in this movie. She's doing a lot and Alan Rickman, I think, is trying his best. He is. It's just the character just yeah. doesn't give him anything to work with. Yeah. And it was nice to see him. Totally. I forgot he was in this. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up, I was like, oh. Yeah, as, it, as much as I am clowning on his character, Alan Rickman here, I'm just so, it's just nice to see him in something. It's just nice to see him in something yeah. that I hadn't seen him in before. Um, okay. Uh, who else is there? I mean, Colin we kind Firth. Of, yeah, I mean, we already we, kind we, of talked about those other those. ones. Yeah, Laura Linney kind of... has sex with Carl. I think those are all pretty, those aren't yeah. the big ones. No. Those are like, we, those yeah, we, we, we did the like the three big ones. Um, the rest of these, like you already kind of summarized as yeah. you're going through. Yeah, I don't through. think we need they to go too kind deep of into them. Um, Okay, so what's your number one story in this? Is it Liam Neeson? I think so. I really like the Liam Neeson story. Me too. I think it's I think it's really solid. And um, does the least like reprehensible things. Yeah. Like yeah. We have the least qualms with that one, yeah. I think. So I, I would say that's my number one. Number two, it's not as substantial as the other, but as far as like if I'm going off of the ones I have the least problems with, the Martin Free one is just fun. It's, it's just so silly nice. and yeah. charming. That and one, like it yeah. just Which is again, this movie is so strange to me. Because in so many ways, it is entirely of its time of 2003 with really outdated opinions mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that stuff. Like weird jokes. About weird it. jokes and all these things. Yeah. But then also, it's oddly ahead of its time of progressive in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Like the Martin Freeman storyline is maybe the best handling of that kind of situation of like a pair of stand-ins on a porn set. Yeah. It's very interesting and funny. It's just like, yeah. This is just their job, and the the camera shoots them as if it is a job. There's no yeah. there's no male gaze to any of that stuff. No, the male gaze was saved for literally everything else. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's a weird thing is that's like this feels like the place where you'd get a lot of that. Like a lesser version of this storyline would be he falls in love with this girl because he's starting to take note of her body. And yeah. It's like oh you're actually really attractive. Yeah. And like I know it's just a job, but like man, yeah. wow. And like the camera would linger in those yeah. ways, but it doesn't. It's very much like. It is presented as like a workplace comedy and yeah. very locked down static shots that aren't sensationalizing anything. It's just focusing on the characters. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's, yeah, that's really well. I think it's a great point. Also, ever since we watched Fast Times mm-hmm. for this podcast, I can't get it out of my head that, oh, what's her name? The director of that movie. Uh, Amy Heckerling. That Amy Heckerling was like, if she's going to be fully nude, he's going to be fully nude. Yeah. And I think about that every time I see a sex scene in a movie now. Totally. And... This movie obviously does have that, but not, not the same way though, mm-hmm. because 
Martin Freeman is naked. Yeah. But we don't see any, like, you know, we don't see any full frontal from anyone. Well, I mean, Amy Heckerling talks about that, where she's like, yeah, like, when a woman shows her breasts on film, like, she's risking something. Right. A man being shirtless risks nothing. Yeah. Like, there there has to be. And so that is still the case. Sorry, I just cleared my throat into the mic. Um, That is still the case with Martin Freeman and Carl. Sure. But... Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, but we I just, can't hold everything to that standard. Right. But I just want to bring that up that I do think about that now every single time. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So just like, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that has like fundamentally changed the way I view those scenes, like hearing that interview. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, I like the way that the storyline is handled in the film. And there's another really quick, like throwaway thing during the Liam Neeson story where he's kind of probing his son about his crush. And he's like, well, who is she? Or he like, and he just says it so casually, yeah. and his son's like, "It's a she," and yeah. then they just move on. Which and was I'm just nice. like, "That's really cool for 2003." Yeah. Nice. Because I was really worried we were gonna get a lot of like homophobic and transphobic jokes in this. Yeah, but we didn't. No. There is that funny. It's pretty funny the joke about Elton John's party, <laughs> where Bill Nye comes back to his manager and he's like, "I wanted to come back and spend Christmas with you," and he's like, 10 minutes at Elton John's party and you're already gay or whatever." Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It it's funny. a good joke. It's a good joke. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird movie. I feel like I like the Bill Nye stuff. Yeah, I, I was just. I think that's funny. Is that like three for you then in your ranking? <clears throat> yeah, if it's like Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson. and Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. I think Bill Nye is three. Yeah, just again off of like it's like a funny inoffensiveness. Thing. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, mostly inoffensive, and it's like so funny to see Bill Nye doing that stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, mostly inoffensive, sure. except for constantly being me to right. his manager, but whatever. And then I would say, I don't know, the Colin Firth story, I'm really torn on. Because there's yeah. nothing really bad about it. But there's nothing really good about it either. It doesn't really work because we're not there with, that's a whole movie in and of itself. Totally. That's an entire movie Yeah. that they just don't really show and they cut out. And Colin Firth feels so separate from everyone else mm-hmm. to the point that he's not at the wedding but that he says he's at yeah and i forgot that he knows people and clearly they just got everyone together for that airport scene right at the end mm-hmm. um so i feel like he is lower but i don't i think that's that that story also isn't that offensive sure except for the male gaze i, I think shot. for me i would place number four based on like the really high highs and the really low lows it yeah. was probably the hugh grant stuff I it's so. really charming, yes. and when it works, it works really, really well. Yes. The whole subplot with the president and yeah. everything going on there and the weird fat phobia, yeah. I don't like any of that stuff. No. But his and her dynamic and their chemistry yes. is palpable enough okay. yes. and charming enough that I'm like, I, I like the time I that I spend with these characters. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's kind of for, and then Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson's also kind of in there. Mainly the Emma Thompson, the Emma Thompson stuff gets it up there for me. Totally. The Alan Rickman stuff, obviously, I'm just like, what are we doing Whatever. here? Laura Linney just kind of falls in the cracks. She's Which is there. too bad. Yeah, like it's just she's good. I like Laura. Yeah, Linney. again, they have interesting chemistry, but the movie, in its in its effort to be nuanced, doesn't say anything. No. It is just kind of middle that's, of the ground. I guess that's kind of our sibling love story, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but not get, really. Not really. Because and... it almost plays it as the moral good is for her to always be on call for her disabled brother. Right. And she can never have a life of her own. And there's not enough pushback from the outside parties to like really stick that landing. Because no. there's like there's a moment where she's hooking up with this guy. <clears throat> and she explained, you know, they're like in the throes and she has to stop to answer the phone and has yes. some ridiculous conversation about exorcisms and the Pope and whatever, mm-hmm. and then explains 
her situation with her brother and all these things. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like that. She's very understanding yeah. and very kind. And they kind of get back into it again. The phone rings and he pulls away and he's like, will it make him better if you answer? Like, will it fix this? Yeah. And she's like, no, it won't. He's like, well, then maybe you can let this one go. Like maybe, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. And she doesn't listen. She, she pulls answers away. It. She answers the phone. And that's and the end of their relationship. It is. And like, and that's the thing is like, if the end point is, it is morally good and right and proper for her to just be living a life for her brother, which is kind of where this lands, it would feel like the way of getting the audience on board with that is like making that more of an argument, making him more of like kind of an asshole about it. Yeah. But he's very kind and very understanding. It's a very gentle, just like, hey, you can live for yourself. And she's like, no, I can't. Yeah. And that's it. And again, a whole movie exploring that totally would be interesting. Mm -hmm. But because we don't have time for that, it leaves Laura Linney just Christmas Eve with her brother. And it's not like he's not being taken care of. No. Like she can not answer the phone once or twice. Right. But I don't know. It's just the movie doesn't seem to really know where it lands on it. And yeah. just kind of goes, well, this one we can probably just leave up. Yeah. They're like, here's a complicated situation and we're not going to have anything. Yeah, to say It's similar about to it. the Alan Rickman one with that. Yeah. Right, where it's like, uh, we can just leave that one. It off. Uh, like, open yeah um yeah i don't know and then i just yeah i just really wish that the chris marshall story wasn't in here because it's not even that good of a joke it's not it it's i don't know why it's here it's weird it's really strange especially because like that exists entirely as like a comic relief subplot but that's what the bill nighy stuff is doing yeah so and it's doing it, it better yeah we don't need that we don't need a purely comic subplot no we don't need another one we have one yeah, I would cut the Andrew Lincoln thing because it's weird. Yeah. I would cut the Chris Marshall stuff. And I would maybe even cut the Laura Linney stuff. Yeah. So that I'd we can so that we can focus on focus on the others. The others. Like Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson. I think Colin are the Firth? three. Huh? Would you keep Colin Firth around? I, I might even cut Colin Firth. Yeah. I feel like that's its own movie. If it Richard is. Curtis wants to make that movie, he can make that movie. Sure. But it's not here. No. And it's so separate. He has so, he's not even in England. He's right. in France. And it just feels weird that we're cutting away to this like romance novel. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah. So I'd even cut, even though I love Colin Firth, yeah. it was nice to see a younger Colin Firth again. And I he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. No, he's very charming as well. Mm-hmm. Who knew if you put it's, a lot, it's, it's a lot a nice of Britain's scene. most charming white men into a movie, they would do a good job. Yeah. It's a charming scene when he goes to find her family and it then the, the whole town marches down Except to her job. They're also really fat also phobic really, about her sister and mean God, and weird. I hate it. But it was really funny when they were like, he's going to sell her to an American as a slave or whatever. Like, yeah. the, there's like funny things happening. Yeah. And he's trying his best in his broken Portuguese. Yes. And it's charming. And he's making me Something effort. I thought was interesting about the audience we watched this with is that we were laughing when Colin Firth wasn't doing great at Portuguese. Mm -hmm. No one else really was. No. And then when she was bad at English, people in our audience laughed at that. And I went, interesting. Yeah. Well... <laughs> That's a whole nother topic of like, it was interesting watching this with a crowd of what I would assume. I think we were the only people in that audience who had never seen it before. Yeah. I think these entirely people who came out to oh, see yeah. it because they've watched because it. Because normally the only people who would pay to see Love Actually in theaters are people who like it. Totally. <laughs> and so it was just, it was interesting the stuff that we were laughing at versus yeah. what they were laughing at. Yeah. I was really worried someone would be mad at us. Yeah. Like someone would be like, can you shut up? Yeah. Because we were just like, what is going What's on? What's happening? Anyway, I think that's Love Actually. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know Pretty what much, else we right? can say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just weird. Weird movie. Again, it's as much as I as much as I've been you know, razzing it this whole time and beleaguered, it it is not completely irredeemable. No. There are pieces here that are working really well yes. and are very charming and fun and have that schmaltzy Christmas magic that I, I enjoy quite a bit. And I understand. I get it. I understand why people like this movie. Sure. I just don't think that it's, it is entirely, we've talked about this a little bit and you could do an entire episode all about this idea of like, not even nostalgia glasses, but like movies that you grew up with yes. are always going to have a certain energy to them that nobody else understands yeah. other than you. Because you're like, yeah, this is like, I have a history with this. Yes. And I'm sure that people who watched this with their family when they were very young and are missing a lot of the stuff that we're rubbing up against, by the time they get older, I've just completely ignored the stuff we're rubbing yeah. up against. Because they're like, no, but look at all the good parts. Right. And us as people coming in, never having seen it, we're taking all of it at face value as it's happening in our yeah. mid-20s. In 2023 at, like, at our mid-20s. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to kind of take that into consideration when you look at it. But that's the thing that's frustrating to me about this movie is that if it was all terrible, I could just throw it away and laugh at it. And, and we would like, have made it the shortest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, exactly. It would just been like, no, of course it isn't. Yeah. Why, why did we do this? But there is there is qualities in here that I like quite a bit. And it's just muddied down by a lot of stuff that I really just didn't care for. And feels really unnecessary. Totally. And something that I said immediately after the pod, the movie was over was, I was like, fascinating that Richard Curtis thinks this is like a really wonderful look at what love is mm -hmm. and what love means and how they were like, this whole movie was built around that idea of like people at Heathrow Airport. Yeah. And yet the portrayal of love in this movie is as some sort of awful force that men use to do whatever they want. Yeah. That women are um, under the control of. Mm -hmm. Like, it's this weird thing of like, uh, or like, or even that the secretary is using on Alan Rickman. Totally. That love is of a, a power to be wielded against others or to trick others or to manipulate others into doing things that you want. And it's interesting too. I hadn't really put this together until you were just phrasing it that way that like the only storyline that really gives us like active female pursuit of love is Laura Linney and it ends as a non-starter. Yes. It, it is unsuccessful. Yes. And she and she's better taking care of her disabled brother. Right. Yeah. She is yeah. Her, her version of love is much better suited to the stereotype of like female caregiver. Yes. That is where her love needs to be going. Yeah. Is what the movie says. Yeah. And other than that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like that is the old, that, yeah. I, that is the only example of women. Because, like, because Natalie love. isn't actively making decisions to, she's not making moves on Hugh Grant. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of chemistry there. Sure. And I think she's aware of that. Clearly, yeah, but she's she, not pursuing him to the point that when someone else comes after her, she feels the need to apologize to him because she was somewhat aware that he was pursuing her. Right. But there's no mutual pursuing. No. Because on some level, you could read it as she understands that there's a clear power dynamic there, but not really mm -hmm. because Richard Curtis wouldn't write it that way. It feels like women are not active in the love stories in this movie. No. They're and active if they are, it's the promiscuous secretary who is... T 
a, literally dressed as the devil at the Christmas party, <laughs> yeah. tempting Alan Rickman away. So you can either be a woman that a man pursues and falls in love with. You can be a caregiver like mm-hmm. Emma Thompson and Laura, Laura Linney. Linney, or you can be a temptation for man. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's oh. kind of the three women that exist in this movie. Cause Kira Knightley temptation for man. Yeah. And that's why he was avoiding her right. self-preservation. He says, yeah. What a bummer. What a, well, on that note, <laughs> on that, on that bummer of a note uh, criteria. Okay. Yeah. Criteria. Uh, let's just speed run this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Historical and technical significance. It certainly made a pop culture impact. Totally. And I think that's that, it. That's it. It made a splash pop culturally. Sure. But I don't think it, it there was Citizen Kane. I can't remember. I can't remember what the third one was. But there was somebody. Somebody pointed out the other day, which I thought was really interesting, that they're like, we haven't gotten like juggernaut Christmas canon classic movies since two thousand three. Because that year we got Elf. We got this, and there's one other they mentioned. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, yeah. But they were talking about, like, yeah, that was, like, the last heavy hitter year of, like, oh, yeah, these are now in rotation constantly for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. But to your point, yeah, it made it made a splash pop culturally. Not nearly enough to take a point, but worth <laughs> because, a Because, again, we are comparing it to Citizen Kane. Yes. And I uh, don't think this movie is trying to be better than Citizen Kane, but it's certainly trying to do something. It's trying to do something, and I think it's not doing it very well. No, because if the goal was the beauty of Heathrow Airport reunions, Mm -hmm. the movie is not about that at all. No. And if it is a movie about the beauty of different kinds of love... It's not. It's not. It's about one kind of love for the most part. Mostly about romantic love. Yep. And also, if it's about how how wonderful love can be, Mm -hmm. for the most part, I went yuck to most of these now. And if it is about how the Christmas spirit brings out love, it completely fails at that. You could set this at any time of the year, and it would make almost no difference. That's true. But we wouldn't get um, Bill Nye's Christmas song. No, naturally. Which is a... But he could have... <laughs> I just need to see Bill Nye on his TikTok account being like, uh, did I just make the song of the summer? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, summer's all around <laughs> exactly. me. Yeah. yeah, you can set this anywhere. You can set it anytime. Um yeah, I, I don't think it works very well as a Christmas movie, other than the fact that it's set at Christmas. Sure. Has that Christmassy vibe. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you. I think there was a bit of bit of the Christmas magic in this, but that just comes naturally. The recital has a lot of that the energy. The recital that does. That does a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And there are just some nice moments sure. that I liked. Um, but yeah, overall, I would say this movie is not doing what it's trying to do very well. No. And... So the point goes to Citizen Kane. How well did you connect with this personally? I didn't connect with this emotionally at all, except for when you recounted Emma Thompson running into her brother. And I went, oh God, that was nice. It's a nice little moment. And I did laugh a lot. Sure. So the movie no, is, it was the genuinely movie's trying to be funny because yeah. the tagline for this movie was very romantic, very comedy. Mm-hmm. Wild. Right. Um, Doge meme. That was one of their many taglines. Um, I would say that it does work as a comedy. Yeah. So I'll give it that. I will give but it that. It Again, still this, isn't this is doing... not an irredeemable movie. I no. gave this like a two and a half out of five. Yeah. Which, which is, is a 50%. 50%. 50% of the time I, I was enjoying it. I would say 50% of the time I was having a good time. Yeah. But yeah, so I will say it does work as a comedy. I was laughing. Totally. And there are very... Hugh Grant's very charming. Mm-hmm. Liam Neeson's very charming. Yes. Colin Firth was fairly charming. Mm-hmm. Emma Thompson's great. Yep. 
but I don't think I don't think I was connecting more with this movie than I was Citizen Kane. No, and this is like a litmus test I've been using recently. Hmm. Um, is that even movies that I like a lot, there is kind of this weird like three categories for me mm. of obviously the two big ones, movies I liked and movies I disliked. And then from there, a third category of movies I will be watching again, mm. whether I liked or didn't like them, you know, yeah. you can, I, I've, I've watched movies that I didn't like. And then I'm like, I really should just give it another chance. And it's oh, yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. And then I revisit it. And maybe my opinion changes and maybe it doesn't, but like I'm drawn to rewatching it. Yeah. And there are movies that I watch that I'm like, wow, that's an incredible movie. Don't think I'm ever going to go out of my way to watch that again. Not right. because it's bad, not because it's not enjoyable, but because it just, I don't feel called to it in that way. Yeah. Right. And this is very much like, I've seen it. Don't think I'm ever going to go out of my way to watch this again. This no. is not a new holiday rotation for me. No. If it's on at someone's house, around Christmas time, I'll be like, I've seen this. Sure. I can check in. I can make some of my jokes about it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. But I will be watching Citizen Kane again. Sure. And not just because of this podcast. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So clean sweep for Citizen clean Kane. Sweep Criteria Kane. says it's not better, but take a step back. <laughs> Rethink that, Parker. <laughs> is... This, this, is the, this is the inverse of your uh, Forrest Gump moment where I'm like... <laughs> There's no way I'm going to talk myself into saying that this is better because yeah. it just isn't. Yeah. There's no way. I think we can say love actually isn't isn't better than Citizen Kane, which is what Parker said at the start of the episode. Yeah. You could have you could have clocked out at minute two. But thank you for joining but us. Thank you for being thank here. Thank you for being here. I think this is one of our stronger episodes. This was personally. fun. I think we had a good time with it. <laughs> it's you know there there's a reason that the adage online is that. Uh, content where you dislike the thing you're talking about always does better than stuff you're gushing about yeah yeah it's because we can be funny we can be funny we can we have can, bits we can have bits about we it we have jokes um any last any last stray thoughts nah i Me think neither. i think i about covered it i think what i'm done you? with love actually um oh, oh feels sad what do you think of the title weird weird Especially because it's introduced with the full sentence on screen. It love goes, actually love actually is, is all around. around. And then the and rest then fades away. The others... But you can't call a movie love actually is all around. Sure. You would just say then love why... is all around. Yeah, but then why not just have those two words pop up on screen when he says it? Yeah. I don't know why the whole sentence pops yeah. up as the title. Or just name it love is all around. Yeah. Which is less memorable than love sure. actually. Mm -hmm. Love actually. <laughs> we were making that joke a lot at IAPOP, the... Um, love actually. <laughs> we had this bit about talking to Richard Curtis and being and him being like, "All right, so what's your experience with love?" I don't know what Richard Curtis sounds like. Yeah. What's your experience? You start with telling him. Like, oh well, you know, it's honest yeah. communication. Uh, 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 love actually is love actually just is mansplaining. Yeah, love to and you. if you're like, well, I think love is honest communication with my partner, mm, but love actually is <laughs> a, a camera lingering on a woman's body for a while. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. You, thank you, Richard. I didn't know. And you. Well, love actually, love is for me, it's um, just being with my family and, but also having time with, to myself. No, no, actually, love actually is committing yourself to your brother who's disabled and never doing anything else with your life. Oh, 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 thanks, Richard. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> All right. Well, on All that right. note, uh, <laughs> Max, what, what are we watching? I feel like we had such a good wrap up and then I had to bring up more. Um, <laughs> Parker, what are we watching after this? Yeah. 
Well, our next episode comes out on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Wow. And our next episode is a Parker pick. Mm-hmm. And it's... I would argue one of the only other, I think, Christmas canon movies that's been introduced. I think, I don't think for it's, me it's, personally. It's, ma- it's not as mainstream yeah. as Elf. And that, I think it's because it didn't go to theaters. I think that was part of it. It's Klaus. The Klaus. Netflix the Netflix animated movie Klaus, which is wonderful. It's lovely. And I'm excited to revisit it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is... We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. So actually, I'm not going to say that. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, yeah, folks. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays. We'll catch happy, you next Happy Hanukkah as well. Happy Hanukkah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. See you around. Take care.